welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we are going to do a show that scares you, titillates you, and maybe makes you learn a little something to talk about around the water cooler. You're going to be so scared and knowledgeable at the end of this? That's right. <laughs> Those are our three aims. Scares, titillation, education. Yeah. Really, <laughs> education is what drives us. It's our passion. And that's passion. the cornerstone of Guides to the Unknown. <laughs> we smart. Yeah. Uh, now, before we get to our topics for the evening, mm-hmm. uh, as usual, Chris and I are going to educate each other yeah. on something from the, the wide world of horror tonight. That's right. Uh, uh, we've got a segment that we typically like to do. I've got one quick story to share with you. Mm-hmm. It is time for two-sentence horror stories. Yes. And we're going to call this the uh, the This Just In edition. Yeah. <laughs> Just before we started doing our live stream version of Guide to the Unknown, mm-hmm. uh, quick aside, did you know that Kristen and I record this show live on Facebook every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern? Yep. Facebook.com slash pod. if you want to watch us record this show live. Right. So you can catch the show early if you want, but we delete it after the live recording. So then you have to wait until Friday if you don't catch it at 8 o'clock on Tuesdays. Exactly. Eastern Standard Time. You got to be there at the right time to yeah. get the show early. Yeah. Anyway, we got this message from our faithful lawyer, loyal listener, Christy. I'm going to read this to you right now. Yep. Okay. I went bowling with my ex to relieve some stress after our breakup. The game ended early when the ball returned jammed after his head couldn't pass through. That's the best way to do it. Whoa. <laughs> You're not supposed to take parts of corpses bowling. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Not unless they've wronged you, and That's then it's true. encouraged. That's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is kind of perfect. The two eyes and the yeah. mouth get a good grip. Ew. 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 I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're totally right. Perfect bowling ball. Yeah. Aside from the lumpiness <laughs> and the neck. It's kind of clunky when it goes down the <laughs> yeah. aisle lane. I mean, Oh, I want yeah. to make another joke that would end with, I learned the hard way. Um, you have to sever the head from the body first. Oh, God. <laughs> just try to throw a whole corpse down the lane. And just... I guess that's like the gruesome version of when somebody goes to throw the ball and the ball pulls them down the lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's it for Two Cents Horror Stories for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have something that I wanted to tell William about just anyway. And then we were like, well, why don't we do it on the show? Um, there is a podcast that I've only listened to a couple of episodes of, but that I really liked. And then today they put on their Instagram that they were going to do an episode about all about scream. You know how Will and I are a couple of real uh, scream heads, ghost face enthusiasts. Um, so I listened to it and it's really great. I've like five minutes left in the episode and I'm really enjoying it. So William, you should check it out and everybody out there, you should check it out. It's called resting witch face, which is a really good name. It's such a good name for yeah, a show. It's genius. And I find their, I love their logo, like their podcast logo. I just, I really like it. It's a guy and a girl who do something very similar to Will and I. They they tell each other about, wait, is that true? Maybe they have one subject per episode. You know what? Whatever the case is, they talk about a scary thing. Now I can't remember if they each bring a different story to each other or whether they just talk about one subject. Yeah. But I really like their personalities. It's funny. They have like a baddest See, I'm sorry. I'm not. Look, I'm just speaking from the heart. Yeah, I, you do you. I can't remember if it's the baddest witch of the week or the baddest bitch of the week, which would make sense. But I feel like they were talking about bad bitches in this episode, <laughs> referencing Sydney Prescott. I'm not sure. But either way, I just totally off the cuff. I really enjoy it. I wanted to tell William about it. So I'm telling you guys about it, too. You should check it out because I like it. And since 
you ostensibly like me if you're listening to this. Maybe you'll like things that I like. Yeah. So, yeah. Resting witch face. Yeah, it's sweet. There's no better way to get me into a show than to tell me there's an episode about Scream. So it's, I it's, will try it out. It's so enjoyable. So they talk about all four episodes and movies. Yeah, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> well, on. you know why I could have gotten messed up because do they he do went, the series? He went further mm. than I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went as far as you did. He's watched the series. Also, not a fan. Also, yeah. like what? But um, it's part of it. Exactly. You have to respect it because it's part of the franchise. That's how I work. I, I have. I don't view it as being part of the franchise. It doesn't feel anything. Yeah. Like, I tried to no. watch. I watched a few episodes and I was like, I there's other stuff I enjoy. Season three is supposedly coming out this month. Really? Because actually I was listening to the podcast on my way over here and I was thinking to myself, okay, when I get home later, I'm going to have to Google when season three comes out or even the reboot. Right. I don't even know what you would call it. Yeah. They filmed it and everything? Is Queen Latifah <laughs> in it? I don't know. I keep Isn't hearing- Queen Latifah busy with- stars or as whatever of, as of one year ago uh-huh. when i wrote my how i would reboot Scream i want to script. send them your script now like i felt like i was listening to um kindred spirits yeah fellow travelers on this road awesome. we call scream love it and yeah. i mean that's also a good reason why like i feel like podcasting is so big it's so hard to find something good yeah um I like the idea of giving shout outs to just stuff that we like on this show. So, Me too. Hell yeah, Resting Witch Face. Yeah, I really like There's this it. this whole idea that we should be competitive and be trying to best each other. I say you let's all what? get along and have fun. I agree. And I actually, I don't know about in other podcast spaces. I genuinely, I'm not saying like, I don't know about them. I genuinely don't know. But the horror podcast space is not competitive at all. I've noticed Like that. there is a constant shouting out of each yeah. other on like, uh, Twitter in particular. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, We've been shouted out a few times, which is very nice. Yes, and shouted out other podcasts. Yep. Um, it's just very like we all like this thing, and it's really I've been cool. I've been part of competitive uh, uh, podcast fights in my past, which <laughs> yeah. I'm not proud of, and I find embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and a waste of time and effort. Uh, I ain't that guy no more. Yeah, I just want to have fun. We That's all like right. horror. Let's enjoy it's it all cool. together. It's cool. It's fun. Uh, but and anyway. there are a lot of good shows. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will absolutely check out Resting Witch Yeah, Face. you should. Yeah, I like um, it. But I think what I was starting to say mm-hmm. is that uh, 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 I had heard a year ago that Scream Season 3 was going to debut in March 2018. Oh. That didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, Last week I heard a rumor that it was going to debut online only on April 25th. That makes sense. I don't know about that because I still haven't seen a single promo image, no. not a trailer, nothing. Yeah. Um, everybody go to, I think this works, I'm not sure, go to talkbomb.com slash scream to read how I would have done it. Yeah, which it's is really good. Just for the sake of fun. But, yeah. But uh, give it a try. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Sorry, all right, that's cool. just now totally stealing time from from resting witch face. But yeah, go check out that show. Yeah, you really should. I really like it. Yeah, tell them that Guide to the Unknown sent you. That's right. All right. Okay, now it's time for Guide to the Unknown yes. itself. Time for us to thrive, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> Spread our wings. Yeah. So uh, I will go first. Yeah. Let's give this baby a little more my, my phone died earlier, so let's give that a little more time to charge up because I have yeah, to reference exactly. it. Yeah. That, that trick's going to be in the uh, incubator for a little <laughs> longer, I think. You're right. Remember in like kindergarten where you'd, you'd have like chickens yes. in the classroom and stuff? Yes. That's oh, so cool. And so, so cool. So strange. Weird. You know what else I was thinking about today? Because it came up somehow, something I was listening to. Remember Mexican jumping beans? Yes. That they would just have those at the store? Yeah. That's like larvae of something. Oh, is it really? Yes. Hmm. So they just have like an insect that's, I guess, like hanging off the walls of a little plastic coffin that you could buy at like Toys R Us. For real? I 
think so. I thought that those things were just like like a ball bearing inside of like a tic tac kind of thing. I so it would just wobble all weird. Maybe later, but th- there was like a real thing in there. That's crazy. Yeah. Sea monkeys were just shrimp. Yes. Yes. And they actually came to life. Yes. I know. It's wild. They start powder. as dust. Yeah. Crazy. We had sea monkeys. I know. Yeah. I know. I want sea monkeys again. There was that show. There was a show called Sea Monkeys. Yeah. Just looks I, like killed with condoms on their heads, as I remember. <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I remember. The, it's the Mandela effect. Mandela? No. Howie <laughs> Mandela. <laughs> oh, my God, Kristen. That is a wonderful joke. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Uh, there is a there is a, a recent uh, conspiracy theory of this idea of something called the Mandela effect. I'm only going to explain it because yeah, yeah, I don't like the idea of completely like obliterating a joke. But that was a really good joke, Thank and it's you. really want to make sure that it lands properly. I do. So anyway, there was this thing called the oh. Mandela effect, saying that like th- history is not the same for all of us. Maybe you've heard people talk about the, uh, there's a genie movie starring Sinbad where he Mm -hmm. plays a genie that pops out of a lamp. And it turns out that is not actually a thing that ever was made. But a million people have a memory of that. And would swear up and down Mm -hmm. that there was a movie where the, the comedian Sinbad played a genie. Did not happen. So the theory is, there were there were used to be multiple universes that got merged into one. In that universe, there was a Sinbad movie where he played a genie. Right. Uh, in ours, that did not happen. So some people have memories of that other world. Uh, so Kristen made the insane joke <laughs> that these Sea Monkeys TV show because is, they have weird bulbous things on their heads that. Now that I look at them, don't really look like a condom, but I don't care for how it looks if you want to Google that. Oh, it that. looks horrible. They're yeah. disgusting people with like little knobs on their heads and stuff. She called that the Mandela effect, presumably because – was Harry Mandel on yep. he was. No, 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 uh, no. Harry Mandel was You just know that he, he just played gross characters. No, even further. Harry Mandel used to blow up a condom on his head all the time. He would put it on his head, pull it down below the level of his nose, and blow it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was even more layered than you realized. It was. I thought you were talking about it because these kind of look like Howie Mandel in the movie Little Monsters. That is true. Yeah. That's that that's what I true. assumed you meant. I mean, that works as well. I will never see Little Monsters. Uh, our friend Mike really likes Little Monsters and he was saying we should watch it. I said, I won't do that. It's Little too, Monsters it's is too disgusting, disgusting looking. And sad and weird. I haven't seen it. I feel like... It would be on Comedy Central or something. Sometimes I would just change it real fast. Yeah, no. Thank and he you. was, I he makes the same face in all the promo pictures. I just don't like any of it. <laughs> you don't like his lack of originality. <laughs> his mouth pictures? is always open. It's just yeah. no. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. The, the Mandela effect. Right. Nobody likes it. No. <laughs> but we've also come to it. Um, that would be when his when his career really came back when he's hosting game shows and stuff. That was the Mandela effect. Oh, completely. For some reason, this comedian took off again Who and became thought? huge. Yeah. He was like kind of like a weird punchline in a, in a strange way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Time. But yeah. I he, only knew him as like a cornball right. like joke of like no one really likes him. Right, exactly. It's as if, as if um, now you know him as well-liked germaphobe Howie Mandel. Right. Yeah. As if Carson Daly suddenly became somebody that we're all like we all really love him. Yes. And it's like, no, we all used to make fun of like how his like show was on at like 5 a.m. Right. And how he, he painted his pinky nails black or whatever. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it was like his pinky and his ring finger nails. Yeah. Did you yeah. know his show was still on? Yes, I do. 
It is. It's crazy. Very surprising. I had a, no, I was good doing for a, him. I was doing a late night the other night. I watched all the late night TV. Cool. And then Last Stop with Carson Daly came on. It's even called that. It's called I know. Like, Last What's, exit, last stop or something. It's like probably on at like one thirty or two in the morning, it right? Is, it yeah. is. Because yeah, Seth Myers is on until one thirty. Right. So yeah, Carson Daly's on from like one thirty to two right. in the morning and has been for fifty eight years. Man, good for him, honestly. <sighs> sure. Um, gotta work. Gotta do stuff. Yeah. All right, anyway, let's do Guide to the Unknown proper. Let's do it. Let's All right. do it. Let's leave Mandel behind for now. Kristen. Wait a second. Wait one real, real quick, real quick, Mandel thing. Okay. It's a bit and bob of a of a joke of this story. Can't wait. Okay, so you know how he's a germaphobe, uh-huh. and he used to blow up condoms on his head. Why doesn't he now just take condoms and put them on his hands? <laughs> It'll protect him. Then, if you stretch his hand out or shake your hand, it would look like a sea monkey's hand. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> I'm all good. Okay, Kristen. William. Tell me everything you believe you know. Okay. About the cursed artifact known as the Necronomicon. Okay, I'm very excited to hear you tell me about this because I only know a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, it's a book that is supposed to be able to bring people back from the dead that exists. It, I like, well, I, I'll see if I'm right, but sure. I like the idea of this that. This same book with the same name, maybe it's a real historical thing or something, actually. But anyway, that it exists in so many different fictional works. Like, is it from, uh, what the hell's that? What's that Cthulhu guy's name? Um, H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Okay. Does it have to do with H.P. Lovecraft? Yes. And then it's also in Evil Dead. Yes. Is it a fictional thing or no? Um, yes, it so is. So I think it's really cool that it's a fictional thing, but that everybody was like, this is very sweet. Uh-huh. Let's just put it in everything. Uh, Kristen, in, its, in its like original state. You are 100% right about yeah. everything that you just said. Yeah. Uh, it's, but I don't... Oh, this is cool. Okay. It's even better than I thought. Cool. My original topic for the night was going to be um, deadites. Okay. I yep. wanted to talk about the fictionalized demon, monster, zombie hybrid things mm-hmm. that exist in the evil dead movie TV show universe. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason being because I am a big fan of that series and I'm a fan of the current show Ash versus Evil Dead. I realized I forgot to keep watching it. That's what everybody did. Yeah. Here's here's what I'm going to say to everybody out there. Okay. Ash versus Evil Dead is a series where Bruce Campbell now something like 30 years after the movies ended mm-hmm. uh, is you know, back playing the same character that he was in the series, Ash Williams. It is very, very, very wacky, tongue-in-cheek. Um, those of you who are not familiar with the Evil Dead series, it's like 80s horror, yeah. gore fest, insane. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, um, and it's really sort of slapstick, mm-hmm. which is not a type of humor that I typically like. Right. However, there is no better horror hybrid uh, comedy movie, yeah. I think, than Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And specifically, Bruce Campbell's ability to sort of like uh, sacrifice his body for the sake of comedy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it all being in the name of horror. I love it. I absolutely love it. So there's a little bit of loyalty to the series that has me watching Ash vs. Evil Dead. And if anybody out there is in the same boat as me, the show needs your help. Two weeks left. 
it's got in its third season. Okay. And all indications are it's going to be canceled. Huh. Has it been good in the third season? It is much better in the third season than it has been in seasons one and two. Oh, yes. okay. Because I really liked season one. The first episode, I think, is wonderful. Yeah. It's directed by Sam Raimi, the horror director who directed the original movies, wrote the original movies. Uh, and it's and it's really excellent. It leans very heavy into like the horror side of it. The rest of the show is like sometimes the dialogue is just it doesn't feel right for the character to say. Where Ash Williams, this character, he's very wacky and he's supposed to be like a doofus kind of out of time a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So he's hitting on chicks all the time and he wants to get beer. Right. And sometimes it lands wrong and makes him sound like an old man trying to sound young. Mm-hmm. However, Bruce Campbell is so good. I love he's so charming. He's wonderful. The the supporting cast is all excellent. Um so anyway, this show is not sponsored by Ash versus Evil Dead. It'd be awesome if that was something that could happen. Open to it. I want everyone to watch this show so Man. that it gets picked up for another season at least. Oh boy, I got a lot of work to do because I think I I think I finished season one. I definitely haven't seen seasons two or three. I totally forgot. Here's what I'm gonna say. Okay. This Sunday. Episode nine will air on stars. Mm -hmm. If you through Amazon, or I think you can do this anyway, start your seven day free stars trial this Monday. Okay. That way you can binge watch all of Ash versus evil dead and your trial will end just after the season finale airs. That's pretty beautiful. All right. Yeah. Everyone get out there, start it and then tweet about it. Tweet at stars that you're enjoying the show because they're watching the live ratings and it's not doing well at all. It's doing pretty, pretty badly. Oh, man. Should I sacrifice trying to blow through Westworld this week? Yeah, Westworld is fine. Westworld okay. doesn't need your help. I know, but I just want to get on board for so I can watch season two Well, when it comes out. I know, I know. Also, uh, just, I keep forgetting about that, honestly. I've been saying that for weeks. Just tweet about Ash versus Evil Dead. If you just tweet about it, it's the same. It's just as good. Okay. But you really should but also will, watch yeah, it so that they can see the stats. I would like to. But I think that the vocal campaign is also important. Tweet about it. Tweet about it. Love I will this tweet show. about it. Want to support these creators, this cast. Yeah. Uh, they deserve more seasons. Cool. Uh, anyway, also, uh, just for you, sidebar. Yes. Uh, you and I have been listening to a lot of movie scores to be productive lately. Yes. Uh, Google Play Music recently uh, shoved in Westworld covers of pop songs. Oh, okay. Because they're in the show. So there was oh. like a cover of Nirvana. Yes, that's in the played on like old timey. That's in the that commercial in. for season two. And I, because I had to like look away because I, I really do want to watch it, even though I've been saying that for months. Yeah. But I heard the song and I was like, oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Heart Shaped Box. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Search for it, add it to your productivity. Playlist. Oh, great. All oh, the Westworld music idea. is really good. Cool. Okay. Really good. Okay. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Necronomicon, everybody. To some, the Necronomicon is a real life grimoire, uh, otherwise known as. A book full of spells yeah. and rituals. Uh, to some, it is a collected history of the dead and of demons. Cool. In modern pop culture, yes, it's the centerpiece of the Evil Dead franchise, but it has its starts in the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Cool. H.P. Lovecraft invented the Necronomicon. Yeah. It did not exist until he wrote about it. Yeah. According to That's awesome. That's what I thought. According to the man himself, it comes from necros, meaning corpse, namos, meaning law, and icon, meaning image. So basically an image of the law of the dead. Cool. That's sweet. Yeah. Now there are also uh, uh, people that have studied the etymology outside of H.P. Lovecraft and been like, that's not true. 
Uh, well, whatever. Like his, his use of, <laughs> it's a great word. His use of icon uh-huh, is, is not like correct. Not, it's not correct somehow, but whatever. It's a very cool sounding word. Yes, it is. The necro really helps. Yeah, you oh, know? for sure. Yeah. Necronomicon. That drives the point home. The Book of the Dead. So here's the thing. He may have invented it in his uh, horror writing, mm-hmm. but there are books of the dead in yeah, real life. Yeah. They don't they don't accomplish the same goal as this book of, you know, the old gods and demons, but in Egyptian and Tibetan culture, there are books of the dead that are mainly focused on giving instructions to the dead on how to navigate the afterlife. That is so cool. I've heard of the Tibetan book of the dead, but I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. Cool. Um in in Egypt, uh evidently on the inside of tombs, they would sometimes have uh, weird versions of of hieroglyphics, unusual hieroglyphics, specifically in how they depicted any human or animal characters. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes they would be partially drawn. Sometimes they would be drawn mutilated, uh, most likely to prevent them from causing any harm to the dead pharaoh. Wh- oh, so it was almost gotcha. as if they were drawing their hieroglyphics, their written right. language, to appear dead. So that you know, like the the yeah. drawing of the person in in uh, the the person hieroglyph, right, can't right, be of any harm, right. Cool, very weird. That's very, very cool. that's funny. I just watched an episode of Supernatural yesterday from season two, where um a girl died and was buried, and somebody put a bunch of you know I think it was Greek, I don't think it was Egyptian, but they put a bunch of characters on the inside of her coffin to make her rise from the dead. Ah, well, that brings me to coffin texts. Ah, Excellent. Because that is then where this sort of Egyptian uh, writing evolved to. Uh-huh. It would no longer be on the inside wall of the tomb. It would be on the inside lining of the casket Oh, that's itself. what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Genius. Maybe, maybe it was Egyptian. Genius. Yeah. And so also cool. it should be said that any of these ideas of that being the Egyptian Book of the Dead, kind of a misnomer because they were never like written in a collected volume. They were texts that were written at separate times in separate places and stuff, but still coffin texts yeah. that are meant to guide your now soul, you know, uh, up to, to meet Ra, to meet God. That's awesome. Yeah. When you guys put my cremated ashes into the ceramic pinch pot that I want to be buried in, can you please inscribe something on the inside of it? Easy. You'll definitely Great. be dead before me. Yeah. I will never die. <laughs> I know. Just try it. I wonder if anybody's ever been so bold as to go on TV and be like, I dare you to try and kill me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I bet no one ever will. (laughs) Anyway. So anyway, these sort of like old ideas of the Book of the Dead perhaps could have inspired H.P. Lovecraft, but for sure his Necronomicon is an entirely original creation. Yeah, that's a singular sensation. Yes. Uh, The first ever mention of the Necronomicon by H.P. Lovecraft was in his 1922 story called The Hound. This story was about two grave robbers who collect the skulls and, you know, clothes and anything buried with the dead and uh-huh. basically have their own sort of unspoken museum where cool. people can come to see heads in various stages of decom- de- decomposition. Yeah. Yeah, is uh-huh. that, that word sounded very weird for me. Yeah. Uh, which is very, that in and of itself is, I've never read H.P. Lovecraft. All I haven't I've, either. All I've heard is that his stuff is like kind of incomprehensible and he was insanely racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of resisted <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? No, 
don't know. Yeah. I, Have you heard I, that too? Yes. I'm. That's exactly why I haven't read it. Number one, it sounds like too much for me. And also he sounds like a, a jerk. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's the way I said. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, will he was say racist. Yeah. Not that this would ever change my opinion of somebody who was like horrible. Right. To everybody else and like spreading like just hate, vile ideas hate. of hate. Yeah. Uh, but like this idea made me want it's to it's fully sweet from like a uh, an education and horror standpoint yeah. read what he what he wrote this yeah. is crazy two yeah. grave robbers i've never heard anything like this two grave robbers have their own sort of museum of the dead honestly that does sound very cool yes so anyway uh as a weird easter egg almost foreshadowing for this story and most people will get this probably uh in their sort of macabre dungeon of the dead mm-hmm. there was a portfolio bound in human skin Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. Now that's a trait of the Necronomicon in other media. Yep. Not in H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's writing. Anyway, so they hear about the tomb of a great, uh, a, a previous grave robber, a tomb raider, mm-hmm. basically. And they want to go rob his grave because that would be nice. fun and yeah, gross yeah, yeah. and weird. Meta. They dig down, they open his grave, and they see around his neck an amulet, which they recognize as having been in the forbidden Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul Al-Hazred. Okay. <laughs> so that's a little mix of everything. I would say, are we right getting a little, yeah. a little taste of that racism? Yeah. I mean, how about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first ever mention of the Necronomicon. Yikes. Well, you know, grew beyond its humble beginnings. True. Yeah. Good point. Fair enough. So anyway. Uh, uh, they then, <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything. They then become obsessed with this amulet uh-huh. and all they hear is like the howling of a hound that's haunting them. And then one of them gets mauled to death by an unseen monster. Cool. And the other one tries to return the amulet to the, the grave robber whose you know, grave they stole it from, yeah. but it gets stolen from him. And then he finds out that that band of thieves, they were mauled to death. And like, yeah, it, it sounds crazy. Yeah. It sounds really nuts. Anyway, so. What is the Necronomicon? That's the first mention. But what is it as per H.P. Lovecraft? It was the story of the old gods. Oh, okay. People like Cthulhu. Uh-huh. Uh, these sort of like uh, 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 gigantic uh, mythological creatures, cosmic monsters that existed long before man and will someday re-inherit the earth when the stars align. That's right. Um, to some... Uh, it is full of rituals for how to contact the dead, um, how to summon a demon. H.P. Lovecraft eventually wrote what he called the history of the Necronomicon. He did not write a Necronomicon itself, okay. but he wrote the fictionalized, here's where it came from, here's what it did. That's cool. It's called the history of the Necronomicon. He wrote it in 1927. It was not published until 1938. He was already dead by that time. Mm-hmm. But essentially, all it Died did, of hate in his heart. He did. It eventually ate the rest of his body. He only died at like 48 or something like wow. that, consumed by his own... That's <laughs> right. I don't know, venomous <laughs> hatred. Uh, so anyway, the idea was to make the case that the Necronomicon is real. Right. Now, Kristen, here is a quote from one of my primary sources for my research this week. Which is? The Church of Satan's website. Oh, nice. Now, right off the bat. So yeah, what? Okay, go ahead. They start describing the Necronomicon being like a purely fictional totem. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like they were like, we're so fed up with people asking us about the Necronomicon, a completely made up artifact, (laughs) that we've decided 
to explain it ourselves. And they explained it in great detail. It was actually a wonderful read. Perfect. <laughs> okay, Good resource. Here's a quote. And I love this. This is the kind of thing that I, I wish still existed today. A circle of writers who were friends and correspondents with H.P. Lovecraft also started mentioning the Necronomicon in their horror tales. So that's really cool. Thus making it seem like it really existed. The illusion was well done, as they would mention this fake book amongst the names of actually existing books that dealt with witchcraft and demonology. Inspired by Lovecraft, they too invented diabolical books to add atmosphere to their tales. Clark Ashton Smith created the Book of Iben. Robert E. Howard created Unaussprechlichen Kulten. Robert Block, Schilling. our buddy Robert ah, Block, yeah. created Cultes de Ghouls. Okay. And De Vermis Mysterialis, among many others. <laughs> the practice of this Lovecraft circle of writers to invent forbidden books is very well documented. They would even create bogus histories of various editions for each of these books to add to the verisimilitude. That's fun. Isn't that excellent? Yeah, that's really cool. Anything to to make it appear real. Right. And it worked. I love that. Eventually, there was a sort of like Necronomicon fever that gripped people in like the 70s. People wanted the real book. They wanted to get their hands on the real That's so book. sweet. I'll get to the... To so the, stupid. So frustrating for them. Yeah. Like if you've done in the in the 70s the internet wasn't a thing. So if you've done all this reading probably at the library and bookstores and I mean it was probably really fun though, but like going to like weird occult bookstores yep. and reading up but then to find out that it's fictional even though it's such a cool story, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown if I know. you get to that point, but I guess, you know, if and it's I've about the it, journey. Oh, for sure. And I've seen it referenced as if it's like a joke. Right. That it was a joke being played by H.P. Lovecraft and his friends to be like this is real. Oh. Go find it. But to me, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Like it feels more like you know, in the spirit of being inventive. Right, right. It's almost like a fun exercise in a way to maybe honor your friend yeah. and your friend's really cool creation. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would imagine, but you know. Pretty rad. Yeah. Pretty rad idea. So I'm going to get to some of the real versions of the Necronomicon that you cool. can literally go buy. Mm -hmm. But first, I do want to acknowledge H.P. Uh, Lovecraft made it, but I think uh, the thing that elevated it to the greatness that we know yes. is The Evil Dead. For sure. A movie written and directed by Sam Raimi starring Bruce Campbell. A uh, bunch of friends go to a cabin in the woods. The basement door flies open in which they find the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. If you say Ex Mortis is a good addition. Ex Mortis is a great addition. Yeah. In the first movie, in Evil Dead 1, The Evil Dead, it is not known as the Necronomicon, though, which I was surprised to find out. Oh. It's known as Naturum Demanto. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In later in later movies, it would become, you know, right. AKA right. the Necronomicon. Huh, okay. Yeah. So uh That's a well, that's just not remembering. I'd say that could be a little bit of a Mandela effect kind of thing. But sure. it's probably just misremembering well, because it got so famous as the Necronomicon that you'd be like uh, actually that's almost like um you know, Jason always being the killer of Friday the 13th. It's just like, it's the mention, biggest one. So yeah. you remember it being the Necronomicon. It's funny you should mention Jason because the Necronomicon Ex Mortis shows up. Yes, I was just thinking, or I was, yeah, anyway, yeah, go ahead. In, yeah. Uh, in I believe it is Friday the 13th, part nine, Jason goes to hell. I remember when I was researching Pamela Voorhees yeah. coming across something about the Necronomicon. I, I wasn't sure if I was right. The okay. writer of that movie makes a case for Jason Voorhees being a deadite, mm -hmm. being one of the enemies of the That's Evil right. Dead series, which makes sense. He dies. He keeps coming back. He's right. got like rotting flesh, but he won't go down. Right. Yeah. 
Totally. Very Deadite-ish. Yes, that pretty is pretty cool. cool. And sometimes stuff like that could not be cool. Sometimes yeah. theories like that, you'd be like, well, that's a reach. You just right. want to make it seem like he's best friends with Freddy or whatever. I know. But um, that actually does make sense. And it works well. At the yeah. end of that movie, Jason goes to hell. Yeah. Jason Voorhees' hockey mask is lying on the ground, and then a hand pops out of the ground and grabs it and drags it down. That that's hand, very cool. Yeah. The razor clawed glove of Freddy Krueger ah. for telling Freddy versus Jason which wouldn't even come for like another that is sweet which wouldn't even come for another like 15 years that is very cool there's a book called Slash of the Titans mm-hmm. that I started reading it's about the sort of developmental hell journey it took to get Freddy versus right, Jason right you told me made. about this yeah I haven't finished it yet but it's I, I love I love this sort of like it's a little bit of like uh, inside baseball yeah. you know here's how the sausage is made kind of thing right but I love it there were like I wonder if they like, have that on audiobook I would there like, were like to read that 30 scripts to just make that movie it's crazy and then eventually one of the big conversations after that how do we do a sequel Freddy versus Jason versus Ash right 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 uh huh uh huh yeah not only I that remember. in Evil Dead uh, is it Evil Dead one or two. In the Evil Dead, maybe one, there's a poster for The Hills Have Eyes, Uh um, which was a Wes Craven movie, and then Wes Craven referred to Evil Dead in one of his movies, and then I think it's in Evil Dead 2, Freddy Krueger's glove with the razors is in the basement of the cabin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was literally the prop. I think Sam Raimi stole it. That's so cool. And put it in the movie. That's fun. And so it was, you know, a gag. Right. But now it can be used as supporting evidence that all of these things take place in the same world. I love that. I love it. That's so fun. There is a comic book series called Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. I'd love to read it. I keep hearing it is garbage. Oh, really? I would say if it's good, I would like to read it, but that sounds like the kind of thing that could not be. I think think it's really easy to make the character of Ash Williams unbearable. Well, definitely, because he's so schlocky. Yeah. And so that can either be charming because Bruce Campbell can pull it off sometimes, or sometimes it's just like... Yeah. You get pulled out of it a little bit sometimes if it's not really that yeah. good, and you're just like, exactly. what's with this guy? Well, also, like, Evil Dead 1 was... Uh, it's the one that I've seen the least, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I barely remember it. I have it upstairs. But, like, I know its reputation is just that it's, like, a group of kids tried to make a horror movie and made a movie that's so bad it's so good. Right. Um, Evil Dead Evil 2. Evil Dead 2 is, like, the Evil Dead that people think of a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 is, like, a work of art. It's awesome. It is amazing. There was this, I did not see that movie for such a long time. I only saw it probably, like, after I started dating Allie. Yeah. Oh. It's probably, like. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me that kind and of. I was surprised. And yeah. it immediately, like, I fell in love with it. Yeah, I love yeah. It. There's a moment in that movie where. I, it's it's what I've always said about like one of the things that I love about horror. I know I've, I've repeated the thing about like a bunch of weird stuff going on that you can't even figure out. Evil Dead's got that all over. There's like a severed hand crawling oh, around. Yeah. Then there's this moment, which I think is perfect, where Ash is trying to shoot his own severed hand, which is crawling around and like poking him in the eyes, which is a little too much for me, but it's all right. And then the desk lamp on the table starts laughing. And, oh, yeah. and tilting back as if it's rolling its head back in laughter. And the deer the head on movie. the wall starts laughing. And Ash is looking around. And you can see he's going insane. His eyes are getting like impossibly wide. And he starts laughing. And then together, the whole cabin is laughing. And then he starts bouncing up and down, kind of like crouching. And everything's doing it with him. The lamp, like the Pixar lamp in the logo, very sort of like they added this like human quality to it. Yeah. Where you get that it's supposed to be crouching in tandem with Ash. It's wonderful. It's fun and scary because you start going, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, what's anymore. happening. Yeah. And I think it's where the character of Ash is made 
And it's why I don't like him after that. He uh-huh. loses his mind in that moment. Uh-huh. I think that I, that, see that. I yeah. think that his sanity is gone from that point. That's when he becomes the guy that's like, who loves you, baby? Yeah. And saying all that stuff that's like really annoying. Yeah. But it's endearing because he's lost his mind. Right. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. That I makes really total sense. It. And even in the remake, which I'm going to touch upon again in a second, uh, uh, spoilers for the remake. I actually of never Dead. saw the remake. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it then. I'm not going to spoil it then. I'm glad I said something then because I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed of that. Oh, it's great. It's great. I want, I want to. You've I've just watch never. It. Okay. It tricks you. Okay. I like it a lot. I All like right. Sweet. I'm not going to say another word about it. We can talk about it at another time. Anyway, the Necronomicon. Are you doing has, anything on Friday? Huh? Are you doing anything on Friday? Uh, we'll talk about it off. We'll no, talk. Let's do it on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Evil Dead 1, it's called the Naturum Demanto. They burn it in a fire. <laughs> that is, that's still a good name. Oh, it's a great name. Yeah. It's bound in human flesh. You recite an incantation in it, and it and it brings the demons. It brings the mm-hmm. deadites. The, uh, oh, man, what are, what are they called? The Sumerian demons? Oh, yeah. Kandarian demons. Okay. Demons. So Evil Dead 2, which is kind of a reboot of 1, which when you talk about the Mandela effect happening yeah. in Evil Dead and stuff, because the the Naturum Demanto is the Necronomicon, no better series to talk about the Mandela effect. Yeah. There's a lot of questionable continuity within the series itself. Right, right. Evil Dead 2 is almost a remake of 1, and then it goes beyond the ending of 1. Right. Now it's called the uh, Necronomicon. The face on it is a little more pronounced. In Evil Dead 1, there's an ear on the back. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2, no ear on the back, and the face is kind of like a goopy monster face. Evil Dead 3 takes place in medieval times, like the year 1300 AD. I've never seen Evil Dead 3. Yeah, Army of Darkness. It's Evil Dead 1 is... Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, Evil Dead 1 is trying to be seriously scary and fails. Evil Dead 2 is trying to be really fun and really crazy and massively succeeds. Evil Dead 3 is trying to make you laugh. Yeah. And it does not work for Uh. me. Yeah, I yeah, I haven't seen it. Ash versus Evil Dead follows that sort of sense of humor mm-hmm. from Army of Darkness, Evil mm-hmm. Dead 3. Um but it, it has a lot of Evil Dead 2 in it. Yeah. So it works for me. Yeah. But that sort of like nyuck nyuck three stooges humor right. that Sam Raimi seems to love. Yeah. Doesn't really work for me. Evil yeah. Dead 3 Army of I Darkness don't... is all that. Yeah. Anyway, I think I'm good. In the Evil Dead remake, it's back to being called the Naturum Demanto. It is still bound in human flesh. Okay. This time, no face on it. It's stitched together skin, almost like leather face. Yeah. All right. Cool. In yeah. Nature. Cool. Um, and then in the series, they do something that like makes perfect sense to me, and it's funny that it never happened earlier. The book can talk. Uh huh. It's got yeah. a mouth. It's got a face. Yeah. It starts talking to them. I've always wondered, and they they're not exploring it, and I wonder if someday, you know. Franchises never end. They just get right. <laughs> rebooted. They, yes. <laughs> it's it's reincarnation. Yeah. Someday, Evil Dead's going to be rebooted again. Yeah. It's hard to say with the series. And I want to know. I've heard. I don't know if it would, actually, without sure Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. You think? Oh, yeah. I guess. Things don't stay gone. More importantly. Talk about. You got that right, William, with all those deadites. Yeah. Yeah. If only they would. Right. Um, I don't want them to stay gone. Yeah, no, I like, I've got no problem with remakes. Yeah, yeah. they're not changing the original movies. They'll yeah. still be there. They can try and fail and I'll be disappointed. Right. But I like Evil Dead. I want to try, yeah. to try it again. I've heard uh, in some variations, maybe this is touched on the comics, I don't know, um, that the face, the, the skin the book is bound uh-huh. in, sometimes it's human flesh. I want to know who. I want to know whose face is on that book. That's uh, a good question. Sometimes it's written in blood. Is it the same person's blood as the face? 
Like, I want to know that's these a good things. Question. In some, it's a demon. Okay, that's not as interesting to me. Right, right. Uh, in the show, they touch on it a little bit. They, okay, they do it a little bit. Man, I really don't remember. Yeah, a character. I mean, it could be something I didn't see yet. But... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. Or should I? Because it's enticing. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. A character. I'll still watch stuff. A character kind of becomes the book. Okay. The book forms a special bond with someone. I think that's in the first season, right? Like. It's probably. I think it's in the first season. Yeah, I. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. It was like a couple of years ago. Now that I watched this. Yeah. Oh, oh, everybody, everybody, go do it. Make this show still exist. I'll try. I mean, I love the spirit of it, yeah. so I'm happy to try. Yeah, and there's this show. It's like a show that, like, if you're into the idea of like ingenuity in, mm-hmm. in entertainment. Well, that's the thing too. I like. I want to support know. these people that are like, how are we going to make this puppet work? Right. I. Like in, in a world where everybody endlessly complains about CGI and this show does have plenty of CGI. Mm-hmm. There is still a lot of like innovation in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's a group of people that are out in New Zealand being like, well, we've got to make this severed head talk. Yeah. How are we going to do that? Now? Yeah. It's great. I want to cool. support that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because that's the thing that everybody says they want. Right. Totally. So if you, you got to put, put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Right. Okay. Off of Evil Dead, back onto the Necronomicon as cool. it exists. And when cool. I say exists, I mean literally. Right. You can go to Amazon.com and you can buy these. Yeah, I've seen that before. Kristen, in 1977, The Magical Child, a famous occultist bookstore in New York City. Have you ever heard of that? No, that's awesome. You're marking that for future research. Seriously? Does that still exist? <laughs> I don't think so. I would be very surprised. I don't name. know. It makes me immediately think of Ray's books from uh, Ghostbusters yeah. 2. Yeah. When uh, he... In between Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2, Ray Stance opened his own occultist bookstore. Yeah. Why wasn't that ever a plot point? That's awesome. Maybe in the subsequent remakes of Ghostbusters, because you're right, everything will always get remade. Yep. Maybe they'll focus on Ray's books. I think it would be cool I to see what that. their lives are like outside of that business. And yeah. that was like a little peak and was cool. And yeah. like Egon's always talking about Tobin's Spirit Guide. Right. Another sort of right. forbidden book. Like, yes. I want to know. I want to know. The video game's got some of it. The Tobin Spear right. Guide, you can like scan monsters and it'll tell you oh, that's cool. more about them. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, 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 so they published their own version of the Necronomicon, supposedly written by Simon. Simon's Necronomicon Just became a hit. A hit. Cool. Yeah. Uh, however, it was later reported that the uh, pedigree of Simon uh-huh. is just as reputable as the original rumors about the Necronomicon itself. Meaning he was a flim-flam artist. Meaning he was just a guy who saw an opportunity, a market opportunity, to write something called the Necronomicon and sell like hotcakes. Oh, cakes. wait a second. So people thought this was an actual Necronomicon? That I didn't get. Yeah, people that, thought it was, you know, like oh, some sort of like, you know, for like the first time ever, mass-marketed, te- mass-published oh, okay. Necronomicon, you know, story of, of demons, rituals, the Book of the Dead. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I no. thought people kind of knew that it was like a play on. Yeah, no, okay. No. Um, Simon. However, no matter how fake it is, uh, I want to reassure you using words from the Satanic Church website. Please. Satanists understand that any prop that is sufficiently stimulating can be used in personal ritual. So if the materials contained in this book send the proper chill down your spine, then certainly avail yourself of them. <laughs> After all, as Magistra Nadramya has said, working with and expressing your emotions in the ritual chamber using this particular little black book is perfectly valid satanic magic. Uh, 
A careful look at the Satanic Bible will tell you that Dr. LeVay encouraged the magician to use any and all elements of fiction, fact, and fancy to create his intellectual decompression chamber. Wowie. Wowie, wowie. Dr. LeVay. Does that comfort you? Very much so. Even if it's phony, you can yeah. still use it. Well, that makes Magic sense. Magic is real if you believe in it. That makes sense to me, to tell you the truth. If it evokes whatever feeling you need to get up in yourself to perform whatever, then then yes, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's disturbingly understandable. Yeah, that makes complete <laughs> sense to me. Especially but seriously, the phrase, Anton LaVey was a doctor? I guess. Especially the phrase... Uh, creating your intellectual decompression chamber. Yes. Is there a chance that we are in my intellectual decompression chamber right now? Perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Yeah. How about that? Anyway. How about that? There are other Necronomicons. There are other Necronomicons written by other people, published. You can go get them. Okay. That makes sense. Here's the other big one. The Necronomicon by H.R. Geiger. Okay, I guess somewhere in my brain I knew that he was connected to this because when you were talking about Lovecraft, I was listening to you, but I was also thinking to myself, who's that guy who does those crazy paintings and yes. drawings? Okay. Yes, H.R. Geiger. Yes, and I, the name was driving me nuts. I was like, Grigor? Yeah. This was all going on while I was listening well done. to you. I apologize. No, hey, that's fine. That means that you're working on multiple levels. Yeah, I think Dr. Pro- LeBay would be really proud Probably right not now. well. <laughs> It's not possible, William. Yeah, I know. It's only a toggle. They say that multitasking doesn't exist. Yeah. Anyway, so H.R. Geiger was known for his sort of Mm bio-organic art style, fusing human and machine. Yeah. Oddly sensual in nature. Pistons, (laughs) hydraulics. You know what I'm talking about. Those exist below the fold. (laughs) (laughs) His book was also published in 77 and given to filmmaker Ridley Scott as a gift. It then inspired him to create Alien. Oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. Perhaps just the design for Alien. Right, right, right. But the Necronomicon, you know, huh. granted it was now the name of an art book. It was literally right. a book of artwork by H.R. Geiger. Right. Uh, but yeah, responsible for two titans of the horror, fran- uh, That's horror cool. genre. Yeah. Alien and Evil Dead. That's cool. How about that? All right. Now, here's the final word, Kristen, of course. Okay. Give the Church of Satan the final word on the matter. Absolutely. So, to the seeker after the Necronomicon, the facts confirm that Lovecraft was truthful. He invented the idea of this book as a prop for his superlative tales of the macabre. And it remains such a potent image that people are unwilling to accept that it was just his fictional invention. He was quite the literary sorcerer, that old gent from Providence. (laughs) Oh, wow. <laughs> Written by Peter H. Gilmore, the 37th A.S. What's the what's the 37th A.S.? Oh, okay. Know, All it right. It says yeah. XXXVII. Yeah. A.S. Now, I don't want that to be the actual final word. So here's the I mean, real like final the word. It's like architect of Satan or something. Like That's Ooh. like a title for them. Not architect probably, but Arch, like archbishop of Satan. Yeah. A.B.S. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Peter H. Gilmore with the abs. <laughs> All right, here's the real final word. Uh, Oh, you fooled me. From H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. (laughs) That old racist (laughs) gent from Providence. And I I actually, I I enjoy this. This is an interesting quote about creating something fake. Cool. One can never produce anything even a tenth as terrible and impressive as one can awesomely hint about. If anyone were to try to write the Necronomicon, it would disappoint all those who have shuddered at cryptic references to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. I get that. Yeah. 
So that makes total sense why he would write a history of the Necronomicon as opposed to writing the Necronomicon. Exactly. It has yeah. to be what you imagine right. it is. Right. That's a key ingredient into it. And so if you made it literal, it would take it away. Kind of wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. That's the Necronomicon. That is totally sweet. Yeah. Necronomicon, is, it rules. A bit better than I anticipated. Yeah. I, I started looking at the Necronomicon as part of a different topic and yeah. realized I like this in and of itself. Yeah. It's about like the nature of storytelling in a right. weird way, which is something that I'm constantly fascinated by. Yeah. Well, that kind of ties into my tale for the evening. Really? The nature of storytelling. Because you're going to tell me a story? The nature of hoaxes. Ooh, oh. The nature of a fib. Awesome. Awesome. A fib that grows. Yeah. Into the story of the Cottingley Fairies. Ooh. <laughs> so this isn't a chiller tonight, guys. This is just a weirdie and an unknown. Oh, I love You're a not going to be scared. Love a weirdie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard of the Cottingley Fairies? Uh-uh. Okay. Uh-uh. I have nothing to say. Okay. So here's the deal. So this happened in the <laughs> early 1900s, and it caused a huge stir in England around that time. Okay. So there were these two girls lived in Cottingley, England, unsurprisingly, and um, they were cousins named Elsie, who was 16, and Frances, who was like 9 to 10. Maybe she was 9 when this started and then became 10, because yeah, I kept yeah, seeing yeah. both ages. Frances. Francis. Um, so they would go to play down in the Dell together, which is some sort of British nature. Farmer in the Dell. Yeah, yeah. Like by a, a stream and a pond and stuff like that. Yeah. And they Dude, would you're getting a Dell. <laughs> You're getting a play day in the Dell. There has to be a meme of like, dude, you're getting Adele with like Adele's face, right? Like the singer Adele. Oh, absolutely. There I think, has I've, to I think be. I've heard that several okay. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I wonder if people have said that to each other on like Christmas morn. They say, Happy Christmas, Harry. Dude, you're getting Adele on and then, vinyl. And then give them Adele 21 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It comes with a digital download. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they would come in and they'd be all messy and stuff like that. Like they'd be like wet and have mud on them and everything. And so they started saying to, um, I think it was, I think it was Elsie's parents that they lived with or that maybe, maybe it was that Francis would stay for the summer or something like that. Um, but anyway, I think it was Elsie's. They'd be like, oh, the fairies, it was the fairies fault. Like they got us all dirty and muddy and stuff like that. And um, they kept insisting on it. And they were like, yeah, we play with fairies in, in the Dell and stuff. And their parents were like, okay, whatever. I'm going to say their parents because it's easier, but they're cousins. Okay, yeah, yeah, But so their parents were like, all right, whatever. So then they're like, well, we'll take pictures and then we'll show you. So the dad was like, fine, and gave them his camera. And one of his, um, I don't know all the incidents of one of his parents are so lazy. Fine, take a picture. <laughs> they don't even go down to the Dell. <laughs> so he, he gave them um, his camera and one of his plates because at that time when you took a picture, it had something to do with like a glass plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went to the Dell, took some pictures and stuff and then brought the pictures back and they were developing them at home because da the dad had a dark room because he was really into that. And when the pictures were developing, it was them with fairies. And it's so funny that this is so stupid. I, yeah. hate, I hate the kind of thing that I'm about to say. But it is crazy to think that at that time, all they could have done was made a claim that can't even be verified until you're watching the film develop in front of you. <laughs> right. Like, now it's so instantaneous, you just prove it and send it, and like, oh, it's proof right there. Yeah. But to be there and just be like, develop my stupid kids' pictures, <laughs> and like, they probably moved the camera and they took it, so it's all blurry and crap. 
That's a fairy. Wait There's a, a fairy on this. Yeah. Like that dawning, it's it's like literal dawning realization. Literal dawning realization as it develops. It's stunning. Well, you would think. The dad was like, what is this? That you did something. These are not fairies, which it's theorized made them really double down. Oh, what? Because yeah. the dad was like poking the bear. He was like, what? No. And they're like, yes, it is. We see them. We took pictures of them. These are fairies. And he was like, I don't think so. Do you want to tell me the truth? And they're like, no, they are. You know, so they're like really into it. What a it. weird idea to even get in trouble for lying. About something fanciful. You know what I mean? Be like, you're lying. You're grounded. No, they're really all fairies. You just stop it. You're lying to me. Yeah. So it be, it was just kind of like a weird thing in the family. It was like a joke. It wasn't that big a deal. It doesn't sound like. Like they had the pictures that the girls took of the fairies or whatever. Yeah. And they would joke about it. But it wasn't this whole thing for a while. Then like two years later, the mom brought the pictures of the fairies to a meeting of the Theosophical Society. Oh, so I, I should also mention at this time, this was part of the spiritualism boom that we've discussed on the show before. All right. um, if you haven't listened to that episode, spiritualism was a movement where it was basically believing like a more widespread and fervent belief in the things that we can't see. So yeah. ghosts and fairies, creatures and things that aren't in our physical, well, I guess I would think they better be in our physical realm. Well, but like things that aren't commonly open-minded willingness to experiment with the world of of, of like spirits. Yes, yeah. Like, like it was part of the boom. The of, metaphysical. Yeah, it was part of the boom of like trying to uh, speak to the other side. Right. Seances were super huge at this time, and part of what brought on the spiritualism movement was that it was post World War One, and in um, England in particular tons of people died and yeah. so it was really appealing to want to believe that you could somehow contact the people that you've lost right. and so many people experienced that loss at the same time that it allowed this movement to grow so anyway so that's why there was something called the Theos theosophical society and the mom was part of it um, so she, and so what the Theosophical Society said that they were about is that they were dedicated to exploring unexplained phenomena and forming the nucleus of a universal brotherhood of humanity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Heady stuff. Yeah. Why, where are these groups now? <laughs> I think they're still around. You think so? Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm sure there are. Are there something I'd want to be a part of? Cause I think I they know. would be. Maybe, maybe. I think they're probably very serious. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, not that you would go in to make fun, but like, I think that the earnestness might be like, Oh shit, I don't feel this. You I, know what I mean? I want, so like, like a support group for people that just want to talk about monsters all the time. I think that's what the internet and us talking about other podcasts who are cool is. Pretty much. I think we got it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And our listeners. Where's that, that thing of like meeting in the church in person. basement? I would say not in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like sitting in a circle like AA. shitty chairs. That's AA is what you're describing. Yeah, they have cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the mom brought the pictures of the girls with the fairies to the Theosophical Society. Like it seemed to me, I didn't find that much info on it, but like it didn't seem like she was taking it that seriously. The the fairy pictures in particular, she's yeah. like, "Oh, this weird thing," and they were like, "What?" So somebody from the Theosophical Society brought it to display them at the annual conference of the Theosophical Society, Whoa. which is like a bigger deal kind <laughs> wow. of thing. Yeah. And one of the leading members of the society, whose last name is Gardner, um, was like, "Whoa, what is this?" Into it. So he brought, he got in touch with the family and he brought the prints as well as the negatives to a photography expert who said, let me see, I have a direct quote from them. My little go to pics note snuck up on me, excuse me. Okay. 
So the, uh, the expert's name was Harold Snelling. Um, Snelling's opinion was that the two negatives are entirely genuine, unfaked photographs with no trace whatsoever of studio work involving card or paper models, which is a very weird and specific thing to say. Yeah, I get it. I think I get it. Well, it's, it's to be like, there is nothing I can see in the photograph that seems overtly fake. Yes, but it's funny that he called out specifically there are no card or paper models because, spoiler alert, William, these fairies were done with paper models. <laughs> what a pro. So it's a little bit of a uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, call that exactly what the problem yeah, is. Yeah, I can tell you're definitely not lying to me. Yeah. He was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it starts to grow a little bit and um, a magazine at the time that was about kind of like spiritualist stuff printed the pictures and who should see the pictures, but Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, come on. This, this is all, listen, these kids did something awesome, Yeah, but this, this explosion of it is all because of one fudging idiot. (laughs) It's gross. Yeah. Gardner. Gardner is all in on this. They definitely did not use paper. <laughs> Everyone's like, we trust him. Yeah, we oh trust, yeah, Harold Snelling. We trust the, Harold Snelling. The photography expert. If he yeah, hadn't yeah, yeah. said that, if he hadn't, you know, Gardner probably would have let it go. Right. But Gardner was like a dog with a fairy bone. Yeah. At this point. So then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle sees these pictures, who is a huge spiritualist and a big proponent of that movement. And very weirdly, so actually, kind of similar to you, I started off this week thinking that I was going to talk about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and yeah. his experience with the uh-huh. occult, um, which I might do on another episode. But then I came across this story within that, and I knew this story already. And I was like, oh, man, that Cottingly Fairy story is really sweet. Maybe I'll focus on that today. So kind of same deal with yeah. you looking to Deadites and then getting to the Necronomicon. But anyway, so Arthur Conan Doyle, it's interesting because he wrote Sherlock Holmes, who is one of the most like logical fact-based i mean sometimes it's a little batman-esque i guess where it's like ah egg nature's perfect container (laughs) like sometimes sherlock holmes comes to conclusions that you're like how could that happen but he's very logical fact-based smart clever and sir arthur conan doyle was really he had a lot of confirmation bias going like he really believed in the spiritualist movement and part of it is a little bit sad in a way in particular having to do this fairy thing so something that um i found that i hadn't heard before was that Arthur Conan Doyle's dad was really mentally unwell and was actually, um, what do you call it, institutionalized. Okay. And one of his things was that he said he saw fairies. Like, this is way before any of this. Wow, what a particular... Yes. Well, there are other things that were going on with him, but that was one of the things. So um, Arthur Conan Doyle had kind of a thing about fairies. And actually, at the time he came across the magazine with the pictures of the Cottingley Girls fairies, he was under contract, I guess you could say, or he was being commissioned to write an article about fairies for a newspaper call, or for a newspaper or a magazine called The Strand. So that was already in play. Then he finds out about the Cottingley fairies and he was like, oh man, perfect timing. I have yeah. to write an article about fairies. Like this is really good time for me to research this. Yeah. Um, let me see. Okay, so so yeah, so he found out about this and he got um the the slides and the negatives and everything and he had them tested um as well by kodak um and they wait hang on a second i'm sorry so basically okay i sorry my notes thing was incorrect okay so he had them tested by by kodak 
and um, somebody else as well. And basically, somebody from Kodak said that they, it was very inconclusive. Like they said that we can't prove that these weren't faked. I wish I had the quote, darn. Um, we can't prove these aren't faked, but what tells me that they're faked is that fairies don't exist. <laughs> And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Gardner, the guy from the Theosophical Society who were kind of working together by this point, were like, well, but they probably do. So I don't really, that doesn't really, that's not a hard no is what I'm getting from you. And then they went to somebody else who said, yeah, these are faked. So they considered it two out of three ain't bad, even though one of the two was like only like not really a yes. Yeah. And they ran with that. No. Right. I can't. I'm not seeing any overt signs that this is a fake photograph. However, there is one big thing I can't overlook. There's a red flag. Bigfoot's not real. Therefore, <laughs> this footage of Bigfoot is not real. Exactly. And he was like, ah, so it, they are. So you're saying it wasn't yeah. faked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that's amazing and sad. Yes, it is sad. Um, so he, I mean, he wrote a book about fairies, um, Arthur Conan Doyle. It's, it's a whole thing. So he ended his article with this quote, which I just wanted to show you where he was at and where, what people read about this, because this was a big deal thing. Um, so this is the last sentence or a couple sentences. The recognition of their existence, fairies, will jolt the material 20th century mind out of its heavy ruts in the mud and will make it admit that there is a glamour and mystery to life. Having discovered this, the world will not find it so difficult to accept that spiritual message supported by physical fact. Oh, wait, I'm saying this wrong. Having discovered this, the world will not find it so difficult to accept that spiritual message supported by physical facts, which has already been put before it. I'm saying that funny. I don't know. Maybe he had a good editor for the. <laughs> I don't, for the it's not working series. for me for some reason. I don't, I can't it's say an it interesting right. idea. I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. Yes, yes, yes. I'm I'm saying it funny. There's there's something to the idea that even what we're doing right now, like taking you know, like guide to the unknown. Let's find things that are hard to explain. Let's poke every hole in them we possibly can. Let's learn everything we mm-hmm. can about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To some degree, that's demystifying the world in a way that makes things not feel special. Right, right. Isn't it better mm-hmm. to be like? Uh, uh, you know what? There are things that we don't understand out there. Right. And what he was saying is that the, the having discovered this thing, the pictures are proof that there's something out there. And so it might broaden people's narrow-minded thinking. And that's wonderful. That's a wonderful idea. However, right. I think that's putting your eggs in the wrong basket. Yes. Like the thing that to look at out there that makes you go, wow, we don't know everything. Science. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's trying to do something scientific, but he's also just being like, no, fairies are definitely real first. Right. He's saying that first. Whereas it's like, no, let's like, let's explore Mars or like try to see what's at the bottom of the ocean Mm because we don't know. Like that's the, that's the real sort of like unknown thing that should keep us from like being sedentary and get us to get off our duffs and explore. I think it can be all of the above. Yeah, I guess to me, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it is something that's particular to how you see it. Because yeah. to me, like, you know, I uh, to play devil's advocate against what I just said about, mm-hmm. like, shows like ours poking holes in things that are better left a mystery because it keeps you being like, there could be anything out there, is to me, the things that we do are about being like, look at how inventive people are. Yeah. Or look at how mystifying the world used to be. Mm-hmm. to people like when we talked about will of the wisps yeah it was because real people would drown in bogs trying to chase this impossible light that right. was out there, there are crazy stories behind these amazing, things the origin stories yeah amazing origin stories for real things yeah or i just don't think like, of us or just like a to... triumph of being how inventive humans are 
Absolutely. Inventing the Necronomicon is really wild and cool. Yeah. Creating this fairy photo is really wild and cool. Right. Um, yeah, I don't mean to say that we're like buzzkills. Yeah, I don't think of us as like poking holes and stuff. I'm just saying really. that's one way to look at the kind of stuff that we would do. Because sure. like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle just wants to believe there are fairies out there and mm-hmm. he's not going to do much more research into it because it's better to think they're out there. Except. That's what I mean. Yes. Except he did kind of try, which I didn't mention. Um, so Gardner went to visit the family at the home. And I think this was before Arthur Conan Doyle's article came out. Oh, okay. Um, and he went with two cameras and plates to take pictures. And the plates were secretly marked. So that if the girls tried to switch them out, uh-huh. if they tried to manipulate something, that they would know because they wouldn't see the marks on the plates that they had given the girls. Right. Um, and they did not switch them out. But when they went to when he gave them the stuff so they could take pictures of the fairies and everything, they needed to be alone to do it. Uh-huh, of course. Um, the fairies were a little freaked out by all the activity, so they needed to go away for a while. And then they were able to produce some pictures of fairies. Perfectly reasonable to me. I don't see why not. They probably don't like adults. Probably not. Yeah, they're you know? yeah, they're bummers. Um, so the article came out, and um, and like I said, he wrote a book about fairies later um, called "The Coming of the Fairies," and he did that even after the negative criticism from his article started pouring in. It was very mixed. It wasn't like a huge avalanche of negative yeah. criticism, but it was a lot of people being like, "What? Uh-uh. Excuse me, Arthur Conan Doyle, who's it like is a, sad when you know? you know because the implication is that he's like mm-hmm. my dad." maybe isn't doing right. well, but like he was right. Exactly. It kind of vindicates. What people called him crazy for. Yes. He's absolutely right about. Yes. It's very sad. It's really sad. He was probably, I mean, he was, you can't say that he was all in on the fairies thing just because of that, because he was all in on a lot of spiritual things yeah. or things that you can't see. But I mean, you can't not think that the fact that his dad said yeah. he saw fairies didn't make him, it probably gave him a big fire to prove that their fairies are real. Right. Because it changed the way he thinks of his dad. It changed the way other people see his dad. Maybe his dad wouldn't have to be institutionalized. Yeah. This is all me expounding. Sure. Didn't it's, say yeah. that, but you know, it's yeah. really sad. It is sad. Um, so yeah, so people were like, um, I don't know about all this fairy stuff. Uh, and some of the criticism about the headline. Sir Arthur Conan dumbass. <laughs> Some of the criticisms are that the fairies look just like fairies, like you would see in like children's books and stuff. Like you okay, guys have to, picture. yeah, you guys have to look up the pictures if you're at home um, or watch the video of this because William will put them up. It's um, youtube.com slash talk bomb this will be up but they look like fairies like what you think of so it what were the chances that the person who wrote the first books about fairies nailed it in the description or i guess you could say maybe the people who wrote about fairies we thought they were fiction but they actually knew i guess you could say i guess but so a lot of criticism was couldn't figure out this photo wasn't real look it was it was in (laughs) 1917 (laughs) <laughs> to you know, nineteen twenty twenty one. Everyone the look up this started, photo. It yeah. is very precious to look at with modern eyes. Right. Another criticism is to describe the photo. So it's a young girl staring straight at the camera with a bunch of fairies dancing around her. And some people posited, you know, would a young girl surrounded by fairies just be like posing chilly and not looking at the fairies? But. You know, if she's used to hanging out with fairies all the time, maybe she's wanted to snap like a good pick. Yeah, I guess so. Isn't um, it weird how the light has no effect on these fairies? Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> it's strange that her face is like it has 3D and, and shadows. And the fairies and- are 2D. 
And also people noticed that um, that the fairies had kind of stylish modern hairstyles, which was interesting. Oh, that's interesting. If we could go back in time, would they be like, oh, man, you're right. This is fake. Or would they be like, you witches. <laughs> you witches. You. you witches. For sure. Um, could help them out. Save them all a bunch of time. Yeah. <laughs> They might not want to hear it. I know. They might not want to hear it. Yeah. Um, so they, this was a, a sensation in England. But then around 1921, people were starting to care a little bit less about this. It's yeah. dying down just the way things always do. It went viral and then it faded, basically. Yeah. So Gardner, who was that head of the – or not head of, but one of the big guys in the, Theo, the, the Theosophical Society. The last time he went to the house sounds kind of sad – um, it was in 1921, and so that's years after these girls initially took these photos. So they're nine, excuse me, they're 21 and 14 now, yeah. not 10 and 16. This stuff has been going on for four years. They are over it. Like this was like a joke that they did at first, and then it became this huge big thing. They're just like so sick of it. Imagine doing this and being like, "This is gonna be fun," and we're like, "Our parents are." It's really like a joke on our is. parents. Be fun. Yeah. And then you're like. Why are all these adults? <laughs> Why don't you leave me alone? Right. And you're a, a surly teen slash early 20s. You're just like, oh, God, I just want to hang out with my friends in the Dell. Yeah. And get messy all on my own accord. Oh, have they written Catcher on the Rye yet? I want to read that. <laughs> I really need something to sink my angsty teeth into. Um, so, okay. So he, he came over and he brought a psychic with him. To, to see the fairies and see what's going on. And the psychic saw them everywhere. <laughs> the psychic was like, oh, my God. They're everywhere. This is beautiful oh or whatever. Oh, God. If you're one and, of these girls. And Elsie and Francis were just like, oh, my God. Do you lose faith in adults at that point? Probably. Elsie, like, we have to take care of ourselves. Because <laughs> yeah. no one in this world is going to save us. Yeah, everyone else is so stupid. <laughs> And they said that they kind of went along with the psychic to have a bit of mischief <laughs> or like a bit of fun or something. Oh, They're just like, yeah, no, right? They're everywhere or something. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. So then stuff died down. Oh, yeah. Fire out oh, my face. Oh, they're my hair. It's in my oh, hair. That's on my shoulder. Can you say it, children? <laughs> God. Yeah, um, I can see it. <laughs> so stuff died down. Um, they grew up. They got married. They moved abroad. They were just like not about this fairy life they moved anymore. Away from the Dell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said goodbye to the Dell. And then the way that things happen, like you know, it's almost like not really, but you know how last year it was like the 25th anniversary of Jean Benet. So everybody's yeah, just yeah. swarming again to probably you know family and everybody relive right exactly. So in 1966, which is obviously years and years later, a reporter somehow was thinking about this and decided to kind of revive the story. So he tracked down um, Elsie in particular, didn't track down Francis and she didn't give by this point. She's, you know, a grown up. Yeah. Um, she didn't quite give. She suggested, she was like, okay, look, I did see the fairies or no, may, excuse, maybe she said she saw the fairies, but this is what she said. She said, look, maybe the fairies were a figment of my imagination. I, you know, I always thought about fairies. I, I always felt them around. I could see them. So maybe they were a figment of my imagination. And somehow the camera was able to capture this figment of my imagination. Well, that becomes so she a did, whole other thing entirely. Completely. So she didn't quite say we lied or fairies aren't there. But she was like, well, you know, maybe I imagined them. And then somehow the camera was able to tap into that aura of imagination. Um, should, should we tell her how cameras work? Yeah. <laughs> Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Well, there is aura photography. 
Damn. You know, maybe that came. Well, yeah, it was 1966 by the point. I'm sure that was a thing then. Um, so then it went away a little bit and then it came back again in the 70s and they were able to get hold of Elsie and Francis to talk about this. And um, first, Elsie still stuck to her story. Um, they went on a show in the B- on the BBC called Nationwide in 1971. And Elsie said, I've told you that they're photographs of figments of our imagination, and that's what I'm sticking to. Wow. So she start- she's starting to give a little bit more. She's a- That sounds a little winky to me. I didn't see it, but like, I told you this, and that's what I'm sticking to. Rather right. than being like, it's the truth. Like, that's what I'm sticking to has a certain, like, I don't know, ring of like... It's my story, my fictional story that I'm sticking this to. This is the 70s? Yeah. Yeah, it was 1971. That's crazy. <laughs> um, okay, so then I'm just going to read this. So Elsie and Francis were interviewed by a journalist in September of 76 for a program on Yorkshire television. When pressed, both women agreed that a rational person doesn't see fairies, but they denied having fabricated the photographs. And then James Randi... Um, yeah, you know that, the amazing yeah. Randy. Yep, exactly. Um, examined oh, the man. photographs and concluded that there were fakes, unsurprisingly. Well done, Randy. And he said that strings could be seen supporting the fairies, where he was half right, not quite, which I'll get to in a second. Um, they fooled and, the amazing Randy? Uh, not really. James Randy. I mean, he basically. James yeah. Randy. Yeah. Uh, I, think he, I think he stopped offering it. A mm-hmm. million dollars to anybody who can prove anything paranormal. Yeah. Literally anything. Yeah. Telekinesis, ghosts, superhuman strength, yeah. whatever. Prove it. There is a great documentary about him. I don't remember. I, it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there. and I don't remember the name, but Google it because it is so good. It's such a great idea. Yeah. Uh, something that was not publicized much because I guess we all <laughs> want to believe that there's a superhuman person out there. <laughs> right. But also, honestly, I, like, like I've said, I kind of believe in some stuff that you can't prove. I think. I think that there are some things you can't prove, but I don't know that that means that they don't exist. Yeah, you know I guess. I mean? But so, the thing is, like, he would like treat it like under like yes, laboratory no, he, conditions. He's fully basically. awesome. Yeah. yeah, scientific method. Right. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. Right. I think he debunked a lot of crap. Everybody, but I yeah. have to say, I'm not. I, I think that there are what I just said. Google him. Watch some of the clips. It is so fun. Yes, and so he is fun. a very interesting man. Yeah. Did you watch that documentary? I'm not sure. I, I think you'd remember just because it's really good. Really? Yeah. Um, there's a, a whole, th- you know what? I won't say just it's a minor spoiler. He um, he was gay and he had a partner for a really, really long time who's a good amount younger. And there was something that happened with the partner that is very interesting. Really? Uh-huh. So it's worth watching. Did he like turn into a goose or something? <laughs> like It'd be awesome if something like completely magical. It is something deceptive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, not necessarily right under the amazing Randy's way. nose. Yes, my God. Yeah, um, so they finally the girls. What? <laughs> I've got a joke for one. Let's do it out there. There's one person out there that will enjoy what I'm about to say. Is it Bobby? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is an impression Bobby used to do. Uh-huh. He tweeted it the other day, it made me laugh. Uh, it is a President Obama uh-huh. making an address on television. Ladies and gentlemen. Michelle, I have to announce that my daughter, Sasha, has been eaten by a goose. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole thing. It's, it's the, good. It's the voice. It's the fact that you have to tell everyone. And it's the fact that somehow his daughter got eaten by a goose. No one knows. But it happened. Got to tell the American people. I know. That's, it um, comes with the job. It just makes me laugh. It, just, it doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry. 
popped in my head. What think of that? Because I said that the amazing Randy's boyfriend turned into a goose oh, oh, inexplicably. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> and it made me think of that. And I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a problem. Impossible things are just funny to me. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, okay, so they confessed. The sisters finally confessed in a, in, in a magazine article in 1983. And how they did it was that Elsie copied illustrations of dancing girls from this book, from this children's book, oh. and then added wings to them and used hat pins to stick them in the ground or to leaves or whatever around them for the pictures. So that's why I was saying James really got it wrong, but not really. It's just that it's a pin. It's the same thing. It's a line, you know? Oh, so he did see like a line that was there. He Probably. Just picked yeah. The wrong thing. Yeah. That's so I was going to say. There was one time that I was Unless like, he means like hanging from strings. That's what I took it oh, as. Oh, yeah, duh. In which case, How would a string... Yeah, so then it was wrong. Okay. So he was yeah. wrong, yeah. Right? so he was still willing to just disprove it. Yeah. There was, that's the sort of like bravado of just being like, I can see the string Yeah. that's supposed to get you. I remember I was like 14. I had a bunch of people staying over, like we were hanging out, watching movies, sleepover. Yeah. So uh, it was like maybe one in the morning, and I wanted to go to this playground. Uh-huh. Just hang out. Yeah. Really? Like it was, it was me and a yeah. bunch of my friends, and we were being completely innocent, whatever. Yeah. But Dad was still awake. Uh huh. He was in the office on the computer. And I was like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna sneak past him." Yeah. I'm telling you that right now. And they were like, "Come on, let's go." Like I want to go, like walk around, whatever. And I, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna try a new method." So I walked upstairs and went, "Hey, Dad, <laughs> we're gonna go out. We're gonna go to the to the playground." He goes, "What are you talking about? It's one in the morning." <laughs> I went, "Yeah, I know, but I don't know. We just want to like kind of like." Get out, like walk around. It goes, Are you smoking marijuana? <laughs> and I went, Oh my I went, God. No, which is true. We were not. Yeah. And he goes, Because I smell smoke. And I had this Boy. moment and I laughed. I went, No, you don't. Yeah. And I think that made it seem worse. <laughs> made, probably made it seem like I was high. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> like, I You're really wasn't. We were probably playing like Super Smash Brothers and we were yeah. like 14. We needed to go out. Yeah, crazy energy. Yeah. But that, that, like, that false. Because I smell smoke. No, you don't. Yeah. Nice Just try. Trying, yeah, trying to trick you. Nice yeah. try. The amazing Randy did the same thing here. Yeah. Because I could see the strings. Yeah. No, they weren't. They're, they're hat pins holding them up, not strings dangling them. Brilliant. Um, so that's how they did it. Why'd they say that? What? Why'd they reveal it? I don't know. Maybe they're getting older and they didn't want to go to their grip. Maybe they wanted to reveal their genius like We're a like, of it. <laughs> like a villain at the end of a movie. I guess so, yeah. Maybe people were interested. Obviously, I'm sure they didn't pursue this magazine called The Unexplained. The Unexplained probably came to them. They were just like, oh, fine. They're probably like over yeah, it. Yeah, that's probably it true. It sounds like they were kind of over it from their quotes before this. So they're probably like, let's just do this. Yeah. So, um, but they both maintained that they had seen fairies, that they had, but... They wanted to give proof, and in order to do that, they had to fake it so people would believe them. That's like the uh, Enfield haunting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's one picture in particular that Francis said is real, that they happened to catch oh, a real fairy. Yeah. It's um, the fifth picture in the series. If you guys Google this or look it up, it'll be – it's a famous one. So um, they'll say something about the fifth picture. Um so she says that in this picture, they really were just kind of like doing whatever. And um, her quote about it was, it was a wet Saturday afternoon and we were just mooching about with our cameras and Elsie had nothing prepared. I saw these fairies building up in the grasses and just aimed the camera and took a photograph. So 
Elsie said that it's not real. Yeah. But uh, Francis said it was. Also, over the years, they kind of had developed a rift, yeah, Elsie yeah, and yeah. Francis. They didn't get along as well. Um, so it's a very cool looking picture. It's, it's, it's worth a really cool looking picture. at. And it's, it, there are communities of people who believe that the fifth picture is real because this one is a little bit harder to disprove. It doesn't look quite as 2d as the other no ones. Way. Um, so it is an interesting picture. They're translucent. This yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's weird. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say something a little bit crazy. Okay. So in the other examples of, uh, of photographs of the fairies, like we talked about in the one that we were discussing just before, like they look noticeably. Right. 2D. They right. look like when you when you they look like paper dolls. Yeah. I mean yeah. I mean the second you look at them, they, they just don't look real. Yeah. yeah. They look like they're cut out, whatever. Right. But this one, yeah. There's something about it, the fact that you can kind of see through them. Mm-hmm. I guess it would be like a double exposure on a camera. Um, to to try to get this effect of having the background be there while this exists in there as well. There's right. like a fairy deep in the background. There are some like leaves or sticks in in the foreground covering her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see, you can kind of see like the leaves and sticks and everything behind the fairies. What's particularly they're sort of like translucent. What's particularly crazy to me is the idea that these kids would have produced like five photos, four of them using the same method that make them look really fake. Right. And once they did an incredibly intricate, well done photograph. You know what I mean? Like it's right. it's about breaking the MO. I mean, maybe it was lit from behind in a way that is shown through the paper. So it looked a little bit more see-through. I don't know. I guess, but even the soft edges on the I head. I know. I know. The on the right. It's really, a pretty I mean, crazy picture. This is people out there in Listen Land. Like, you really got to look at this photo. I'm not going to say there's a photo of real fairies. Right. What but... I'm going to say is it looks like it's done in a different style from their other photographs. And why? Mm-hmm. Like, is this the fifth one they did? And they well, I did said it was no a different more? day. It was a, I know, but yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's interesting that they they must have, to some degree, have been like, Let's try something different. Let's have one deep in the background, mm-hmm. one in the foreground. Let's try to make it so that he can see through them a little bit. Right. Like they were getting better at it. Right. Yeah. Maybe because it was the fifth picture in a sequence, they had progressed in skill or something. There is also a quality to this photograph. It's a little bit like a find the hidden image kind of thing. Yes. Yes. I keep you kind seeing of have to, new yeah. things the longer I look at it. Mm-hmm. There is a face peeking out at us from the far right hand oh, side. Oh my God. That you genuinely know what? kind of creeped me out. Okay. I don't have the quote in front of me, but Arthur Conan Doyle talked about this fifth picture specifically a lot. And he was talking about a face in the right corner in the quote, I'm sorry, I don't have that for you guys right now. And when I looked at the picture miniaturized, I was like, I don't see anything. And now that you blew it up, I do. Additionally, uh, the fairy that is like on the middle right half, mm-hmm. I thought that her face was in white. Her face, she has black hair. Right. Which I thought was part of the sticks and stuff. I thought her face was way lower. Oh, I see. Okay. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot yeah, of there's... this photograph that the longer you look at it, it's the more ro- you see. A little Rorschachy. Yeah, it's a little more involved again i'm not saying i believe this is a photograph of real fairies right sure i'm saying it is odd to me that they would use different methods Mm -hmm. for different photographs well here very cool here is what a photograph expert kind of thinks about this so um the this guy explained the discrepancy by suggesting that the photograph was an unintended double exposure of fairy cutouts in the grass so i don't really know what double exposure means (laughs) I think it. I think it's like how they like try to 
you know, put ghost effects and stuff. Double okay. Exposure. Well, actually, he says he says that an unintended double exposure of fairy cuts in the grass, and thus both ladies can be quite sincere in believing that they each took it. So does that mean they each had a camera and maybe they flashed at the same time and they created that effect? Because both Francis and Elsie claim that they took this picture. No. So I'm not sure how those two things are connected then. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough to really refute it, but that doesn't sound right to me. Hmm, I don't know. Okay, so to sum up, um, this is what they said about everything progressing basically and becoming so huge and Arthur Conan Doyle writing about it. Um, Elsie said that she and Francis were too embarrassed to admit the truth after fooling Doyle. Two village kids and a brilliant man like Conan Doyle, well, we could only keep quiet. And in the same interview, Francis said, I never even thought of it as being a fraud. It was just Elsie and I having a bit of fun, and I can't understand to this day why they were taken in. They wanted to be taken in. That is true. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they were just kids that were trying to have fun. Right. And again, like I was joking about it before, but the idea of doing this thing that's supposed to be wacky and like to trick your parents. Yeah. And then to have that blow up on like an international level. Yeah, totally. That's crazy. I know. But there's also that idea of like the whole con man thing Mm -hmm. of like, I told you everything you wanted to hear. Right. Like I didn't so much fool you as you allowed yourself to be fooled. Right. Right. Um, I gave you the ingredients and you baked a cake of deceit all yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. Sweet, right? That's really cool. Very short epilogue. Um, Francis's daughter went to Antiques Roadshow or was on Antiques Roadshow with one of the cameras that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle gave her mom and um, the pictures and they were valued at being worth 25,000 to 30,000 pounds which converts in dollars to very you know jumbly number $35,709 to $42,851 cool yeah that's very cool yeah right yeah yeah Cottingly fairies, baby. Cottingly fairies. Yeah. There you go. So that's it. There you go. For this week's Guides to the Unknown. I hope you feel educated, titillated, and scared. Our three foundational tenets. That's right. If we had a a plate Mm -hmm. that has like some sort of like arcane symbol of our organization, those would be written in Latin around the, the sides. I'm into it. Let's make it happen. Somebody out there, I need an artist to translate titillation into Latin. (laughs) Get to work. Somebody has it at the ready. Yeah. Yeah. And create, a, create an arcane symbol for mm. Guide to the Unknown. Oh, please. I'm not even sure if I know what the word arcane really means. I, th- I think it was being like old and scary and ritualistic. I guess I couldn't Perfect. define it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right, guys. That takes us to the end of another episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. So we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, you can follow us on all social media at GTTU pod. And you should check out our private Facebook group. You can search um, Guide to the Unknown podcast in Facebook and you'll be able to ask to join and then we will add you. That's right. You can also follow us individually Uh online. We both have our own social media accounts. We run our own social media. (laughs) Believe it or not. I've seen a lot of celebrities have to make that claim on Twitter. I run my own Twitter. Yeah, totally. There's a good chance that somebody else runs it. Absolutely. How, I would love to be able to claim somebody else runs my Twitter for me. Anyway, you can follow us. Yes. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. I am at 
haunted sponge. And we also have a Patreon page. Um, if you search for Guides to the Unknown on Patreon, or if you go to patreon.com slash pod, you can make a donation to the show. So if you enjoy it and you listen or watch it every week, that's a way to kind of give back and give us a little tip for all the hours of entertainment. That's right. You can also just go out there and spread the word. That too. Yeah. Tell your friends, mm-hmm. write posts online, Tell people in groups in real life. Yep. Uh, write Guide to the Unknown is a fun, scary podcast on a napkin and leave it at a TGI Fridays. Ooh, arcane. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you got to do to help spread the word. We would yep, greatly leave reviews. appreciate It'd it. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Podcast reviews on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, if you want to join us for the live version of this show, we do it every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook.com slash pod. You can see it before anyone else sees it. Mm-hmm. when the show hits podcast apps on Fridays. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be it from us. So thank you once again. We'll see you in one week's time. But until then, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Good night. Yeah. We hope you had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really did. That was awesome, Chris. Yeah. That was so good. I feel like I those are two stories about how creative people are. Yeah. And how honestly. and how something that's fictional and made up can just develop a life of yeah. its own. In a weird way, becoming like a real life tulpa. Yes. You know what I mean? The idea that like yes. we all be- <laughs> we all believe in the Slender Man and he's yeah. now he's real. Yeah. We all wanted to believe in the Necronomicon. You're right. People started to produce it. We all wanted to believe. In the Cottingly Fairies. Yeah. And so we made it be that they're definitely real. Totally. Do you know that I really, I really was kind of into fairies when I was a kid? I loved the idea of fairies. I had, I I was trying to look it up so I could talk about it, but I couldn't find a way to describe it. So I just thought it'd be frustrating. So now just anybody who's still here on the live thing will get frustrated. Mom, if you're still in the chat and you know the name of this, if you could shout it out. Do you remember I had these, I had these pictures on my wall when I was a kid of fairies, like at the bottom of a tree and stuff. And it was like, it's so annoying. It's like shiny. It was like I, almost three D ish. I think not I woven or can anything, kind of but like the was it like a fairy holding a book sitting at the base of a tree? Maybe I had a few of them, but I really liked the idea of like there being little things out in the world that you can't see. Yeah. like I really liked the idea. I wasn't like obsessed, but I liked the idea of fairies. Yeah, David the gnome's wife holding a combo. <laughs> sure. Things of that nature. Hey, I like little things too. When you go to Combos. The, when you go to the grocery store and they have those little shopping carts. When you used to go to a hotel and they'd That's have that, true. that little pot of ketchup. <laughs> I do like little things. That's like, true. I used to love yeah. little things. So, so I love miniatures yeah. and everything. They were you distinctly s- made for like a little yeah. a little a little human. Yeah, you know like I mean? dollhouse. Like I was a kid, things. so it was nice to have little stuff. Yeah, yeah. Felt like it was made for me. Yeah, that is cool. I saw Allie and I were at IKEA the other day and they had little chairs for like a two year old. Yeah. A little chair and a little desk. Uh-huh. It was super small. It's- and I was like, like, I want that now. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. I love dollhouses and did then too. Like yeah. with just like teeny little dioramas inside. Uh, hell yeah. You remember David the known war known Warren. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. What William is referring to is I had David the gnome toys and um, David the gnome's wife had her hands like this. And so I realized that a combo was the perfect size to place in between her hands. And I pretend that she baked a loaf of bread. <laughs> like it would have taken her all day to bake that combo. Yeah, that's big for. That's a big. <laughs> made a this, David. Big loaf of bread.
We can eat that. We can eat that for a month. Well, as you know, gnomes expend a lot of energy, as we talked about in one of the episodes. They're running under the ground and stuff. So, yeah, yeah got right. he had to carbo load. <laughs> running around upside down, and yeah, stuff under the earth's crust. Yeah, <laughs> so, so good. Monsters are the best. Oh, they really are. All right, everybody. I think that's All it right. from us here at yep. uh, Guide to the Unknown headquarters mm-hmm. in my like personal. Oh yeah, it was a um, intellectual comfort chamber or whatever. Yeah. So say at the Satanic Church. Good God. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all fifty states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.